Hello and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine and I will be your host again this time around. You know, generations seem to produce prototypes. Uh, some don't connect totally with their generation. Some totally click with their generation. But often, whether we like it or not, we are a part of our actual generation. Now, my generation is the one quaintly referred to as Generation X. I can honestly say I have the most freeness of speech to address this generation. And as much as I'm drawn to the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, I am a full-on product of the late 1970s and the 1980s. I am unapologetically a Gen Xer. I was the middle portion of it, but yeah, it's me. Case in point, television was used to keep me quiet, probably more than anyone else. Aaron Spelling was my babysitter. Uh, I wanted my MTV. I listened to both AM radio early on and then switched to FM radio. I had and I still have an Atari 2600. And I put lemon juice in my hair to lighten it in the sun, and I still do. So I guess... I'm a full-blown Southern California Generation X person. I'm just past the baby boomers and existed before the millennials. So if you're like me, we are generationally speaking kind of like the middle child. We are the Jan to the Marsha baby boomers and to the Cindy millennials. And just making that reference is an object lesson in who we are and why we are. We were called Generation X because of how hard it was to define us as well as our refusing to be defined. In other words, there was no Generation W. The lettering started with us because of this concept. Essentially, the birth years of Generation X are 1965 to 1980. If you were born in there, then technically you're considered part of Generation X. And I'm smack dab in the middle in 1972. By the way, this program's core audience is Generation X. Now, by no means exclusively, we have awesome people that are much younger and much older that listen to this program, and we're happy to have everybody. But this is a Generation X-driven show, by all means. Put it this way, I, I love reading about people who went to nightclubs to hear crooners or, or people that painted themselves and then went to 1960s music festivals. But I wasn't a part of that. That's so not me, even though I like it. Sure, later, I could do grunge, as the press called it in the 1990s, but mainly for two reasons. Number one, I wasn't that old and I liked to rock. But two, when you think about it, the Cobains, the Cornells, and the Corgans were Gen Xers too just like me, give or take a few years. So I got it and they got it. But what did we as a generation have in common for the most part? Well, let's address the psychological parameters. I saw a meme that I found funny, though I don't totally agree with it. It was funny and there's some truth in it. It said, just remember, for every baby boomer that hates a millennial, 
there's a generation in between that hates you both. <laughs> I love the sarcasm and the cynicism and can relate, but I feel personally that obviously people in all three groups have merit. We're just different. Psychology Today had a good piece on this. I love this quote. Here goes. It says, Generation X was pegged correctly. We don't have a program or strategy for the world, at least not yet, but perhaps we have another advantage. We see the problems more clearly than our predecessors and our successors. We may not have a treatment, but at least we can diagnose. If we can find a way to articulate our insights, the only question left would be whether the generations around us would be willing to pay any attention to us. In fact, one university reported that per their studies, I'm going to quote this to you directly, Gen Xers are, quote, by any measure, the least racist of today's generations. Now, of course, stereotyping an entire generation, even in a positive way, isn't fair. But I think there's some truth in that. So we were the first generation to grow up after the civil rights movement. The result, many people in our generation grew up with ideas of equality and diversity and don't remember a time before the civil rights movement. And, and let's throw pop culture into this mix. Think of it this way. In just the 70s through the 90s, in part, we were exposed to ambient music, disco, funk, heavy metal, Euro, fusion, punk, glam rock, hard rock, progressive, techno, art rock, classic rock, reggae, new wave, R&B, hip hop, synth pop, all of the jazz variations, post-punk, alt-rock, electronica, goth, new romantic, ska, indie, grunge, Madchester, world music in its multiple forms, Britpop, neo-soul, house, drum and bass, we could keep going. There was no reason for Generation X to get bored with music. And if you took this all in, or at least a certain sizable percentage of it, you're instantly crossing racial and cultural lines. The world's getting bigger for you. The Family Search website noted that there were primary characteristics that many of our generation have. And again, we don't want to stereotype everybody, but there's four of them. And I think that there's some merit in this. One characteristic is they're independent. Since our generation is sometimes referred to as latchkey kids, the term was used because a number of us due to dual earning parents or other circumstances came home alone after school. And it's possible that this upbringing fostered the independence in generation X that we see today. Another one is flexible. It says gen Xers have lived through some of the most drastic social changes and developments in history of necessity. They grew to be flexible, ready for change when it comes and prepared to work through it. Critical thinking is another one. It says, while some have called Generation X cynical, a more apt description may be that they're critical thinkers. It states that between the Watergate scandal and the divisive Vietnam War, Generation X had fair reason to think critically about the world around them. And this last one, self-reliant. says, similar to their independence, Gen Xers learn to depend on themselves and make the best of their situation. Having grown up under the threat of nuclear war over their heads, 
They didn't often have the brightest outlook on the future, but they were driven to make a difference and to make their own way in the world. Now, what's funny is, did we? We were driven, and some are still driven, but did we make our own way in the world? I'm going to get into that shortly. It's funny. Think, think about this, because we're going to talk about this for a minute. The pop culture essayist named Chuck Klosterman concluded that while movies like Easy Rider and Saturday Night Fever painted living portraits for generations, you want to know what was going on in the 60s or 70s in those subcultures? There's your movie. The Empire Strikes Back might be the only example of a movie that set the social aesthetic for a generation coming in the future. Listen to this quote here. I find it fascinating. Maybe you will too. It says, it's clear that Luke Skywalker was the original Gen Xer. For one thing, he was educated via Yoda about things that had little practical value. For example, how to stand on one's head by, while at the same time lifting a rock telekinetically. I can relate to this. My mother used to tell me that all the knowledge that I was learning about and had interest in plus a quarter might get me on the bus. Well, that's what was going on with Luke. Essentially, Luke went to the University of Dagobah with a major in Buddhist philosophy and a minor in PE. <laughs> There's not a lot of career opportunities for that kind of schooling. That's probably why he dropped out in the middle of the semester. Notice what Klosterman says next. He says, meanwhile, Luke's only romantic aspirations are directed toward a woman who literally looks at him like a brother. His dad is on his case to join the family business. And most significantly, all the problems in his life can be directly blamed on the generation that came before him and specifically on his father's view about what to believe in. For example, to annihilate innocent planets, etc., now, there's a lot of truth to this characterization. In particular, it's notable that Luke's aspirations to change the universe amount to nothing. They really don't. That's why when we were talking about Gen Xers being driven to make a difference, you know, did they? Well, think of it like this. In the movies The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, his rebellion appears to have failed to make any real difference in the world. So it was an adventure, but what was the point? I could picture a Luke Skywalker type saying, you know what, I'm going into my space bedroom. I'm going to listen to The Cure. Don't bother me. The movie blog website said this, says Luke does not accept the offer to sell out and become part of the very apparatus against which he has taken up arms. However, Luke also doesn't respond by fighting back. Instead, confronted with the inevitability of his defeat and the realization that he cannot defeat the overwhelming power of his father's ambitions, he gives up. In other words, Luke is literally dropping out. It's a powerful and striking conclusion and one which resonates with the larger myths of Generation X. The idea that we resent a bleak dropout culture, or we've been seen as a lost generation with few heroes and no anthems. 
The battle scene in that movie leaves Luke traumatized, lying in bed, creating an amputated limb as evidence of a symbolic castration at the hands of a father who's lost all patience with him. Luke even confronts betrayal by his benign father figures, asking why Obi-Wan and also implicitly, implicitly Yoda, why'd you guys lie to me? This is so our generation, isn't it? Family drama now very much out in the open. I mean, there's reality shows about it. In our, in our generation, I think it was to the most obvious proportions it had ever been up to that point. Sure, there was always family drama through the history of human beings. But almost everyone I knew growing up had divorced parents. The family unit in suburbia got smashed with a wrecking ball during our generation. And the catch is that it was totally unapologetic. Getting divorced in prior generations, it's my understanding, it was slightly scandalous. Not something to brag about or be proud of or have a party for. But divorce in the 1980s was not that dissimilar to the hula hoop in the late 50s. <laughs> Just another fun trend, an easy and viable option during your midlife crisis, if you made it that long. But it doesn't end there. You see, the kids that had parents that stayed together were often more damaged than the ones that went through divorce. Again, welcome to Generation X. Let's close with this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I love being a part of my generation. I am my generation. I'm not any other generation, so I by no means think mine is better than anyone else's. It's just what I know. But being a child of the 70s, raised in the 1980s, my generation gave me parameters and exposures to things that I'm glad to have had, even the bad things. We can learn from stupid history as well as from the bright spots. And while prior generations used more books, I'm not ashamed of my schoolhouse rocks education because we use books too, just right alongside it. See, we were the last generation to play outside, unattended, who came in when the streetlights came on. We didn't need suntan lotion. We could actually ride our big wheel or our bike without a helmet. And we got really excited and begged for some parental money when we knew the scholastic book people were coming to our school. Nothing is perfect, and romanticizing is extremely easy to do. But I'd say in all honesty that it was a pretty rad time to grow up. We have once again come to the time on Refresher when we share a playlist that works in tandem with our episode. This was a tough one, but I think I got it. We have for you this time around a Spotify playlist called Refresher Podcast generation x radio i tried to show you what you would hear on the radio at any given time in the 1980s again this was tough because personally i like deep tracks i like to make these lists kind of challenging but i didn't go obscure i went realistic this is what you would have heard on the radio when you grew up in the 1980s i dig it i hope you will too as i know you've heard at least eight out of ten of these songs maybe 10 out of 10. You can find it really easily on Spotify by simply looking up Refresher Podcast-Generation X Radio. So let's have fun with this. 
let's let's do it like this. You're at the beach in the 1980s with your battery-operated radio with the antenna that you have to pull up. So lay back, work on your tan, and when you turn on the radio, this is what you may have heard playing on your FM dial at any given time. Track number one, Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. I mean, come on. If you think you hear it on the radio a lot now, imagine when it was in its initial stage of popularity. Number two, Jump by Van Halen. Are there cool Van Halen songs that are cooler than this? Yes, but this one got played on the radio on all of the different stations, and this song is quintessentially 80s. Number three, Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf. This was back when heart-throbby boy bands didn't just know how to pose, but they actually knew how to play their instruments too, and they played them really well. Number four, Every Breath You Take by The Police. This was a constant, as was its great black and white, incredibly cinematically lit video. Number five, Wanna Be Starting Something by Michael Jackson. Listen, I could have picked basically anything from the Thriller album. This song was always on the radio, but with a little less intensity and circulation compared to Beat It and Billie Jean and so forth. And here's kind of a fun fact. Did you know that he uses the name Billie Jean in this song too? It's right there in the lyrics, and I bet you missed it. Number six, Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Remember that? Is it kitschy now? A little bit. But it was new and exciting then and became a phenomenon that crossed all kinds of cultural boundaries. Number seven, Def Leppard with their song Photograph. The Pyromania album that this was on sounded so fresh at the time. Put it this way, in the 90s, Nirvana had punk rock credibility, but with hooks that most pop music would have died for. Similarly, in the 1980s, Def Leppard had hard rock credibility, but with hooks that most pop music would have died for. Number eight, The Cars. I couldn't not have The Cars on this list. The hard one was picking a song. I went with Dangerous Type, not because it was the most popular, but because Dangerous Type could simply not have been made in any other decade but the 1980s. Number nine, one of the prettiest songs of the 1980s, in my humble opinion, that got played on the radio all the time and still does, uh, Cindy Lauper and Time After Time. Great pop song, great 80s song, great song. If it comes on the radio now, I still leave it on. And number 10, from another pillar album of the decade, Prince and the Revolution with Purple Rain. Radio stations now play it, but they cut off the solo at the end, which I think they should be put in jail for. On this list, it will be in its entirety, as was always intended. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash generation x radio guys this show simply would not exist without you if you could all do me a favor please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends also if you would like to help keep this podcast stay up and running if you would like 
You can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You can also check out our website for all things Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com for Refresher gear, as well as all of my books and links to friends of our show. Which, by the way, let's just take a minute. We've got our friends at Leafy, L-E-A-F-V-E, which, by the way, was founded, created, and is run by a fellow California Gen Xer named Jonathan. Check out his company. Then we have DesignCraft. It's design with a D-E-Z-I-G-N and a K-R-A-F-T. This is the company of another Gen Xer friend of mine out of New York named Josh. And then, of course, we always send you to our friends at the Managing Expectations podcast with Jeff and Brian. Now, I think Jeff, if I've done my math right, might technically be older by a year. And I'm not sure about Brian, but they have to be in the ballpark. They have a great show over there. Go check them out. They are online wherever you listen to your podcasts. So you want any more information on these guys, just go to refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. As always, especially since we can't afford Jimi Hendrix, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late and tied with Mr. Jimi Hendrix is the one who wrote this song, the one and only, Are You Sitting Down? Mr. John Villafuerte. Anyway, until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. And like a friend of mine once said, don't clown, just get down. We will see you next time.